Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Thursday the 3rd of February. Today, I am joined by Apollonia Vlaslova, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Apollonia. How are you today? Hello, hello, Peter. Doing great. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. And you're calling in again. It's an international. It's an international um, <laughs> a call, isn't it? This. So where 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 are you calling from? I am yet again in Russia. Um, yeah. <laughs> How, how's it going? <laughs> it's, it's snowing. <laughs> it's snowing. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Quintessentially. Okay. <laughs> Well, I see the 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 um the photos you posted on Instagram um, <laughs> over a Christmas New Year were pretty amazing. Uh, I thought, um, but yeah. Once um, you try to shovel that once or twice a day, then we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, back weren't honestly CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Well, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um. So right. Um. So what um story caught your eye the most today from today's right. edition of Watson's Daily? So today, what I'd like to talk about is the National Security Investment Act um, mm-hmm. affecting smaller businesses. So that was a story in the FT. Um, so I would like to first cover, just kind of refresh it in the listeners' memories, um, what this act entails, because I know that Stuart covered it really well mm-hmm. uh, a couple months back. But mm-hmm. essentially, it, it aims to, it took effect in January, and um, it aims to regulate corporate transactions, particularly foreign investment mm-hmm. um, in companies with potential national security concerns. Yeah. Um, so, for example, as an example, take say, I don't know, Chinese investment in the tech sector. It has identified 17 high-risk sectors, mm-hmm. and these include some really big ones like communications, energy, and transport, because once you try to start thinking about kind of security you might think kind of artificial intelligence, synthetic biology, that sort of thing, but it actually affects really massive sectors as well. Mm. Um, and essentially what it does is it, po- it imposes an approval process, um, and that is mandatory for companies um, acting in, the, in these 17 high-risk sectors and then voluntary for other sectors. So the act has been kind of criticized for being for being overly broad in that regard because – um, I mean, we all know UK legislative drafting can be very vague specifically to give uh, the government certain powers and kind of to be able to act quickly if something new arises. At the same time, it's very, it makes it very difficult for companies, however, to plan ahead and to, to regulate, to even understand whether what they're doing concerns national security, because mm. the um, definition of national security is not present in the act. Mm. So, so um, it is a bit it is a bit of a difficult situation um, for companies, and it's also creating a massive delay in deal timelines because the approval process is quite stringent and quite um, quite time consuming. Mm. So the lawyers really have their work cut out for them in the due diligence process. Mm. But also, I think this will essentially force companies to really plan ahead. Mm. And to really kind of factor the factor this into into the deal timeline and into mm. their due diligence process just to kind of avoid the risks um, that come with this. So the, the other some of the other kind of fun facts I guess about the app is that it doesn't just cover kind of your general M and A activity. It also covers minority investments and in any acquisition of assets. Mm. I think this is especially important in areas heavy in intellectual property law. 
um, because those will be obviously stringently kind of um, controlled. And also the fact that the act um, has a retrospective effect in the way that it can call in, essentially call in deals from mm. um, down to like November 2020. And we know it's being quite a deal heavy period. I think yeah. this also adds to the whole load, I guess, of things that regulators have to do, mm. which is essentially, according to the FT article and a couple other kind of investor opinions um, and observations, um, has been affecting, already affecting um, small businesses and startups, mm. especially tech startups, because for them, investment and kind of timely investment is central to them as kind of a way of survival. Um, and that has been essentially cut off with um, the super stringent approval process. It takes a long time, mm. and that kind of that puts um, puts those time sensitive investments at risk. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of yeah, that's the overview of the topic there, and I found it um, quite mm. interesting because I myself worked in a couple startups, mm-hmm. and I can see how that could be kind of a life or death situation. Mm. So yeah, what's your opinion on this, Peter? Because you had some really interesting. Um, so what ideas? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you know, uh, as you know, for like I say, for the listeners, I mean, it's in itself, it is actually a very interesting topic. This and, um, mm-hmm. but the the thing is, it's quite easy to sort of come away from it thinking, hmm, this is interesting, and yet and just leave <laughs> it there. Um, but obviously, Watson's Daily is all about so what what is the actionable sort of takeaway we have here mm-hmm. um so i would i would say that the practical effect of so first of all i think that um uh, the the uh the pandemic um hit lots of companies very hard um and uh, it meant that some companies that have previously been enjoying real success big valuations and things saw the value the value of their company sh- um, down to historically low mm-hmm. levels which meant that anyone that had any money um uh, was suddenly perking up and having a look around and see what what they could get from this bargain basement of of companies i mean especially say in the uk which had already kind of been hit by um brexit fears and things and the and the impact that was going to have on corporate britain um, so anyway, so this happened. Um, we then saw, uh, you know, like uh, oil producing countries, um, sovereign wealth funds who've got loads of money. And obviously, you know, they, they've got lo- loads of money looking for a home because they're trying to invest in non-oil futures, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the other thing, of course, was was China, um, because you have a lot of very successful Chinese companies, especially uh, big tech companies, um, who were on the lookout to for again for some bargains. So, um, I think it was uh, European uh, Commissioner, uh, you know, Competition Commission Commissioner um, uh, Margaret Vestager, who who said, "Look, everyone, um, watch out for your key companies because uh, they could be taken over by entities mm-hmm. that you don't want to. So, you need to put in place." measures to make sure this doesn't happen so a few months later you got um even you know even bojo got got on this one um you you talked about this legislation and now and it has come into force from this month now i think that um what that has done in a stroke has um suddenly cut off a whole load of of potential investors and as you rightly say 
um, this means that this means problems for especially smaller companies um, because it means that um, because that because the legislation is quite broad. So it, um, uh, it 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 just means that if effectively the government's got veto on pretty much anything. Um, mm-hmm. And you can imagine the workload that they're going to have um, and and the probably, you know, some bloke behind a desk um, with a massive pile of, pile of papers or something. Um, and you just think how that is just going to take absolutely ages. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And it's going to mean that uh, investors are put off because they think, well, I can't be bothered. Uh, yeah, I'm, I want it now. I don't want it in three years' time, so I'll just leave it. Um, but also, but um, but it also means if if there are fewer potential investors getting involved, that means that the prices that some of these yeah. assets can attract will be lower. So you know mm-hmm. there won't be any bidding wars, or uh, the bidding wars will be a lot uh, less frenetic affairs. So I think that mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. It means that possibly. Uh, you know, there there will there will be um, see because not all startups are successful, but um, you would have thought that um, it sounds like uh, one in five is successful or something. Is it, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say I mean, that that sounds quite. I I think that sounds quite optimistic. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I think that um, you know, it's it will mean that there's there's less there's less a the pool of money available will shrink. And two, mm-hmm. the pool of potential investors will also shrink. Especially um, angel investors. I mean, the yeah. sorry to interrupt, but um, on your point there, uh, the FT article as well makes the makes the kind of the point again of um, the fact that angel investors are kind of already being deterred mm. um, from in, from entering these deals, and I think mm. VCs will be as well. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I, I think that it's uh, it's it's difficult. So, you know smaller amount of money smaller number of potential investors equals um fewer startups getting money and i think mm-hmm. the thing is with these especially tech startups i mean this is a massive generalization but but you know they'll come out with an idea they'll see that you know, they'll test that the idea works they'll then probably make something that that sh- that demonstrates that it can do what it says and then they reach a point where they need to make it commercial. And to make it commercial, mm-hmm. they need to, you know, throw more money at it, either in terms of mass production or distribution or something. Um, and that's where things could fall flat, because mm-hmm. until then, you're not making any money. And in in sort of time on a tradition um, to make money, you need to, to spend money uh, quite often. And I think no more is is that more relevant. Nowhere is that more relevant than tech startups. So, so I, you know, I think this. I remember when when this came out, I thought this is going to not go down very well um, with those with those companies. But yeah. on the other side, I think it's a balance between: do you want just you know um, uh, entities from countries that you're not you'd rather not get their hands on your prized assets? Do you want them to just keep doing it? Because it, you could argue that, you know, things like utilities companies and stuff like that have been, to, uh, you know, our, our utility sector has been really um, uh, eaten into by by foreign entities. I mean, look at our mm-hmm. nuclear industry, very much China, you know, China's very involved there, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, France, other places. So really, maybe this is just to put a stop to, or at least to put a buffer 
in. But the problem is, is the buffer might might um, uh, uh, deter like legit investors who want to I mean, invest for legitimate reasons. Yeah. It is a very fair. I mean, it it is a fair, I guess, response to. Um, yeah, to, to to similar I guess to similar regulation that exists in other countries like China not being too willing to get their companies you know listed mm. abroad or um, to have kind of foreign investments in their companies especially in the tech sector either mm. um, it is an understandable an understandable concern and um, movement there but it's just honestly the manpower that it requires and the um, the mechanisms for it that might not be as automated as one would hope yeah um, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But anyway, it's a good. It's a. It is an interesting area, and I do think that uh, you know we're going to see more on this. Maybe the practicality of this is going to hit home at some stage because <laughs> the sheer amount of money that needs to be invested and things um, means you know I would say implies that at some point they're going to get overwhelmed. Um, I think potentially with the because um, it does. It, it is divided into the mandatory and the voluntary regimes. Mm. So the mandatory regime is by itself already mm. huge with, I mean, sectors like energy and transport, as I've said. Yeah. Um, but potentially the, the voluntary regime is the one that's going to get more refined through case law and through um, people going to court over cases being like, no, we're not actually a national security risk or, mm, you know, and the government saying, no, you are. <laughs> and, yeah, um, yeah. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to get more refined through those processes and kind of sieved a bit. Um, yeah. But also with kind of fast development of different, of different areas, especially in tech, it will always be a question of whether somebody mm. falls under this quite yeah. big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So there we go. Um, so you know, watch this. So, what was, yeah, uh, what was your story today? You had a pretty interesting one as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was very interesting. So, uh, Guardian story talking about um, a British vault, um, uh, announcing plans to build a plant in Kent that can recycle Mm -hmm. lithium ion batteries, uh, that are used in cars and uh, electronic devices. I think that this is an absolutely massive area you know Mm -hmm. and the need for this is going to increase exponentially and i would almost suggest to the extent that this could be a dragon's den idea of building a business is to try to get into um uh, battery recycling because thus far batteries uh, you know lithium ion batteries have been notoriously difficult to recycle the reason being i believe that it is to do with actually physically having to take them apart you know have someone picking them apart um mm. you can't really automate it at the moment um so given the fact that we are all going to have to change to electric vehicles by 2030 or you know whatever 2030 ish um the volume of batteries is going to increase and therefore the demand for this is going to increase. Um, And I think that um, the fact that British Vault is going to be involved in um, recycling these batteries is, is a really, is a great thing. I mean, it it sounds amazing. I mean, they're they're going for the whole life cycle. They're building the battery in the first place and Mm -hmm. then recycling. So, um, it sounds good. Uh, I mean, what, what what do you think? I mean, it's vertical integration if I've ever seen one. Um, 
you know, it's, I, I think it's, it's very um, advantageous for British Wall to come in this early and to grab the kind of um, sector of the, that section of the market. Mm. Uh, because if they're in control of the entire life cycle of the battery, mm. obviously they can, you know, then dictate, um, well, have quite a strong bargaining power mm. um, with anyone from, I think, as you mentioned on the call, government yeah. to, or government agents to um, companies, because obviously everyone wants to keep their ESG um, credentials at a good level. And this is one of the ways to do so is to, you know, go for a cycle of material to consign, I guess, um, your um well you know your batteries too to being recycled and then you know maybe get them back in a different <laughs> i'm really not sure how the technology works in particular so i'm trying to avoid mm. kind of the tech the tech mm. part of it but yeah. um yeah no absolutely and i think um they're quite looking forward looking as well because currently i know that there's um an eu regulation about um the amount of recycled material that will have to constitute batteries Mm-hmm. after 2020 or like 20 uh, sorry 2030 or 2035 mm-hmm. and it is pretty low uh percentages i think it's about like four percent of mm-hmm. lithium would have to be recycled but when you take that up to a larger scale that's mm-hmm. obviously massive amounts of recycled materials to be used mm-hmm. in batteries so if the uk were to um get a similar type of regulation soon which i think they might um i think british world is quite forward-looking in complying in its making your batteries um part of part of the deal um in complying with these regulations from the start essentially and then building because obviously building recycled batteries is, is also as you've mentioned is quite different from just making batteries mm. so it might be it might be a bit of a modified technology so if they're getting on that earlier obviously they'll have that competitive advantage of having mm. developed mechanisms and having kind of gone through several you know like failures and successes yeah. to get to an optimised um, mechanism. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know, like I say, it, this could be a real, a, a great selling point for British Volts. If, for it, let's mm-hmm. say, let's say that it builds a battery that is much more recyclable than other batteries on the market, then it can go to car, fa- car manufacturers and go, look, why don't you mm-hmm. use our battery? It's going to make you look good because we, we can, you know, we recycle most of the, you know, we, we, uh, recycle a lot more of the material than everyone else does. You so could even, use ours. Yeah, you could even you could even think of you know consumer schemes uh, spanning from you know from the battery producer through the car manufacturer and car dealer to a consumer where you know like how you trade in your phones. Mm-hmm. You could do a similar thing with a battery because if yeah. it's recycled and if it's you know kind of mm-hmm. to to um, encourage recycling of batteries, you could mm-hmm. do a sort of trade in scheme as well. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. So I mean, I I think it's a it's a potentially massive area that a lot more companies need to get involved in because and and you know the 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 demand is just going to skyrocket. I think um, <clears throat> over yeah over over the next few years. Um, and you know I I know that I've said this in the past uh, in previous podcasts, but you know my my kind of battery fantasy uh, which which is a good, well two <laughs> words that you don't often hear uh, next to each other but um is that is that you know you have the swappable batteries or it's easy to get at mm-hmm. the batteries um so you can swap them over if you could do Not that they're kind of like those old phones which you drop and then the battery just yeah, well, exactly. right out <laughs> well exactly you know and then you can you could get the battery out you can sw- you know if it's if it 
just keeps losing charge. You swap it, oh yeah, you give it to a recycling, um, swap it over or get some money towards a new battery or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. if there is a bit more of a cycle um, for, for a, a, a better life cycle for a battery, I think that would be a great thing. But anyway, I think, I mean, we're years away from anything like that. And also we know that, uh, for instance, like Tesla, for instance, does not does not like the whole um, swappable battery idea. Um, But, you know, I mean, let's obviously these things are developing. It's ongoing um, and uh, we'll just have to wait. So, yeah. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's 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 a bit of a difficult area in terms of swappable ones because, um, Obviously, companies do like it when you just have to buy a whole new thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> not swap parts of it. But also, I guess it just makes for less tinkering of mechanical of well, mechanics with them. Well, Apple, kind of Apple, things, Apple, yeah. Apple mobile yeah. phone batteries are a, <laughs> looking, yes, I'm, I'm a looking brilliant here case. A brilliant case <laughs> in point. So, um, anyway, but there you go. So, I mean, I think um, on on that note, I think we're going to have to okay, end it today. Time. But um, but anyway, um, thank you very much, Apollonia, for your you. insight today from a very cold uh, and fresh <laughs> Russia, um, and uh, and for um, and and from me uh, from a considerably warmer uh, Guildford uh, in Surrey. Um, I, and I was just going to say to people, if anyone uh, anyone out there is a, a subscriber and looking forward to a uh, uh the the usual weekly call tonight i'm afraid i'm going to have to disappoint you because i'm not going to be able to do it um because i'm going to london today um in order to uh go to a reunion of the people that i worked with when i was Ooh. at mitsubishi yes it should be an interesting <laughs> afternoon uh i don't know what to expect uh i think everyone well that's going... the best kind of afternoon you know gets surprised yeah yeah could be could go either <laughs> way so um so I, i'll i'll see i'll see how it goes but it should be very interesting anyway to see um what everyone's up to um because there's some 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 real characters i used to work with so uh we shall see uh, but anyway, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for um, for the listeners for listening and continuing to support this podcast. And um, uh, we'll, uh, the podcast, we will be back again tomorrow. Um, so many thanks indeed. And we'll be back tomorrow. See ya.